0: The following audio is by Crossfield Baptist Church. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com. Hello, church family. It's really good to be with you again. Um, last week, I had announced one theme that we are going to do, but several people have encouraged me to speak directly to the chaos that people are uh, experiencing, and I thought that was a good idea. So I want to look at a very chaotic story in the Bible, and it's in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. I'm going to read those verses to you, Um, but it's all about uh, chaos. So it's the story of Peter walking on water, and uh, the first word in these verses is the word immediately, and that ties this paragraph with the previous one. I think there's some importance to that. Words have importance in the Bible. And it ties this story to the story when Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fish. So keep that in the back of your mind. It'll come up in a little while. Let's read these verses and then let's unfold them to see what God is saying to us about the chaos that we are experiencing under the coronavirus. Verse 22 of Matthew 14, immediately... When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. I want to share with you uh, my wife uh, several weeks ago when the coronavirus was first hitting Canada. I think we had our first case in Alberta. She went to the superstore to get some groceries and she noticed something peculiar while she was standing in line. There had been a young lady in front of her who had to go back and get something. And she noticed, first of all, she looked a little odd. She wore very dark clothes and big sunglasses. And uh, as she came by the line, she was very careful to make her way around them without touching them. And as she stood in front of the cashier, uh, she looked very apprehensive. And when the cashier asked her a question, uh, she didn't answer. She kept her mouth closed and just gave a little nod. And then she was out of there as quick as she could get. It seemed strange, but then Elsie recognize that probably this young lady was very frightened at being in a public space where she might contract the coronavirus. Her, her whole world had become very uncertain to her, and she was very fearful and um, feeling, frankly, overwhelmed by the whole threat. Now, for many of us, uh, this continues to be true. The foundation of our lives have become very uncertain. We don't know for sure about our job. Um, I don't know about my job. You might not know about yours, or you may have already lost your job. We're wondering how we're gonna make our mortgage payments, how we're gonna pay for the vehicle that we're paying for, and, and on and on. Credit card debt if you have that. You're frightened about your health. And so we're very overwhelmed in some ways. A lot of us, we go to bed at night with knots in our stomach for worry. Now, that's what this story addresses. It's really important to notice one thing about this story, and that is that it took place on the sea. It took place on the Sea of Galilee. And this is why that is important. Scholars like Don Carson and John Hale remind us that in the Old Testament, and so in Hebrew culture and Hebrew thinking, the sea, was associated with chaos, and it's not hard to imagine that if you've ever been out on the sea. It's a little intimidating. It's dark, it's deep, it's threatening, and it seems very restless and uncertain. And, um, and then when it's crashing on the shores, it uh, can be quite the spectacle. And so this story pictures something about chaos and something about Jesus, So let's look at that. It tells us why we should trust Jesus. It shows us, first of all, that Jesus sent them into the chaos. We should trust Jesus because he's the one who sent them into the chaos. Look at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And that word made is a very strong verb. It could actually be translated compelled them to get into the boat. There was some force, some determinedness about this. And so Jesus compelled them to go out onto the sea. He compelled them into the chaos, if you would. And so they were not in this chaos by some bad luck. They were not in this chaos by accident. They were in this chaos by the design of God. Now, the Bible teaches us that all of life, including choices that we make that lead us into the chaos, including our own frailties and failures and weaknesses, all of these things are under God's governance. Even evil and chaos are designed by God. And just to show you this in maybe the most graphic way possible, if you think about the worst crime that's ever been perpetrated on earth, the brutal, torturous murder of the Son of God, you find out that it was all planned by God. This is what Peter tells his listeners in Acts 2:23. This man, he says, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So do you see what he's saying? The crucifixion of Jesus was cruel, torturous, evil. It was done by wicked people through their own free choice. And yet it was all the plan of God. In other words, the chaos of our lives is not without design. It's not without purpose. And so God factors in human weakness. God factors, factors in human wickedness. And despite that, our mess and our chaos is designed by God for us. And so you have the family you have, the marriage that you have, the children that you have by the design of God. Uh, You have the job you have or no longer have by the design of God. You have the personality and the traits and the weaknesses and the strengths and the failures by the design of God without you being innocent for the wrongs. It's by the design of God. And so the hurt and pain and failures and wrongs done to you, the things that overwhelm you, the things that threaten to drown you in life come to you by the design of God. Now that should comfort us. We're not subject to blind chance. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Jesus knew they were in chaos. Jesus knew they were in chaos. Look at verses 23 and 24. After he had dismissed them. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And so Jesus was above this chaos, on a mountain, and he was praying. He was in the presence of God, but he was not unaware of them. He was very aware of them. In fact, Mark's gospel tells the same story but adds one important detail— Mark 6, 48 says this. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And so in the presence of God, praying to God, Jesus was fully aware of them. He saw them straining at the oars. He saw them in chaos. He saw them struggling. He saw them feeling overwhelmed. And that's so wonderful because that means Jesus is fully aware of you, though he is so far above you. He sees you exhausted. He sees you weary. He sees you and knows the knots in your stomach. He reads the fears on your mind. He understands the shame and the guilt that overwhelms you at time and threatens to bring you down. He knows the chaos of your life. He's above the chaos, but he has his heart on you. So do you feel overwhelmed? He knows it. Do you feel like a failure? He sees that. Are you fearful of the future? he understands that. Jesus sees you overwhelmed by chaos and he cares about that. He cares about it so much that the third thing I want you to notice is that Jesus came to them in their chaos. Look at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, he didn't come out Immediately. Uh, He he let them labor away for some time. He, He allowed them to struggle and to feel alone and tired and to get even to a place of hopelessness. But he did come to them when the time was right. Now, listen, this is so important. Jesus is not content to be remote and distant from you, he's not overwhelmed. But he knows you are. He knows the tension you feel. He knows the tears you have shed. He knows the guilt that almost drowns you at time. And he comes to us. He comes to you. And so Jesus is not playing hard to get in your life. He's here right now. He's come. He knows your insecurity. He wants to help. And so he's saying in these verses, he's saying, Now, I know you are straining at the oars. I know that. I know you are on a world of chaos. I know that you are overwhelmed. I know you are frightened. I'm here. So Jesus sent them into chaos. Jesus knew they were in chaos. Jesus came to them in their chaos. And then the fourth thing I want you to notice was that Jesus is greater than the chaos. And you know, we need to know and understand that Jesus is greater than our chaos. Look at verses 25 to 27. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Go to verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So I I just want you to imagine this scene. (laughs) They're in this boat. The wind is howling. The waves are splashing up against the side of the boat. They're straining. They're groaning. They're shouting instructions to each other. They're struggling. Their muscles are tense. Their hair is flying everywhere in the wind. And they look over, and there is Jesus strolling along like he's on a garden path, (laughs) just enjoying a walk. What is overwhelming to us is not for him. Isn't that quite the picture, eh? What threatens us is nothing to him. Financial problems are not too much for him. Viruses don't pose a threat to him. He's not um, daunted by the abortion that is just about killing you. He is not threatened by the shame that drowns you because of your pornography. And do you know what he says to us when these things overwhelm us? Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You can have courage, you know. You can be unafraid because he says, it is I. I am with you. And you know who that I is, you you remember. You remember he's the one who, fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Remember that. He's the one that made blind people see. He, he's the one that made lame people walk. He's the one who made the, the deaf to hear. He's the one who raised the widow's son from the funeral buyer. He's the one who cast out demons. He's, he's the one who forgave sins. He's the one who gave his life as a ransom. That's the eye That is with you. That's the one who says, take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. And he's greater than any chaos in your life. Here's the fifth thing we should notice. Jesus enables us in the chaos. If we see Jesus, clearly it enables us to walk on chaos As Jesus did look at verses 28 and 29 Peter sees this he hears Jesus and he says Lord if it's you tell me to come to you on the water come he said then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus now that expression if it is you is not suggesting some doubt it's written in a form in Greek that really could be translated since it is you There's no doubt about it. And Peter responds to the presence of Jesus with this bold faith. Uh, he, He saw what Jesus was doing. He was caught up in the moment, and he wanted to do just what Jesus was doing, walk on the chaos, walk on the water. And he knew that if Jesus enabled him, he could do it. And you know, Jesus was pleased with his audacity. <laughs> like, when you think about it, that request could really seem quite self-entertaining. It, it could seem quite trivial. Oh, you're walking on water. Please let me walk on water. But Jesus was pleased with the audacity of his faith. He encourages it. And uh, he, sa- he encourages it with one word, and I almost picture a twinkle in the eyes of Jesus when he says to him, Well, Come. And Peter did. Now, we often read this story, and we only notice that, Peter, that Jesus chides Peter for his little faith. You see this in verses 30 to 31. When he saw the wind and he, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. And why did you doubt? Now, Peter was chided, but not the way we think he was. I think Jesus was more going, Peter, you almost made it. You were almost here. Why did you doubt? After all, how many people have walked on water? Just two. Peter, by faith, and Jesus, the Son of God. And it seems likely that he had walked a number of steps because when he started to sink, Jesus only had to reach out his hand and catch him. You were almost there, Peter. Why did you doubt? You almost made it. Now, sometimes we're like Peter. Our faith is strong enough to get out of the boat, but it's not strong enough for the storms. But listen to this. Jesus still recognizes that we got out of the boat. The other disciples sitting securely in the boat, they might have pointed their fingers at Peter and found fault with them. Oh, Peter, they may have said, look at how he buckled under pressure. Look at how he caved when the going got tough. Look how weak he became. Look, Look how his efforts have revealed his flaws. But they could never say they walked on water. Now, what would you rather be a disciple who had never walked on water, or a disciple who began to walk on water, and then sank. You know, this morning in my prayer time, I wrote out my prayer, and I prayed this. Father, I am Peter. One moment I am straining at the oars against the chaos that threatens to overwhelm me. Then I see you, and I am full of confidence to walk above the chaos of life, but suddenly I see the threat and how it is greater than me and I am so small and so inadequate, I forget you are there. I feel overwhelmed, I lose all confidence, I am afraid and weak, and I begin to sink. I cannot rescue myself because I have no faith for the occasion. The chaos claims me, but wait. Jesus reaches out and rescues me. He rescues me from the storm, even when my faith does not. Now, Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? And he could ask us, too. Why do you doubt? And the answer for Peter was he took his eyes off the promise and he put his eyes on the problem. He forgot the five loaves and two fish that were used to feed 5,000 people. He forgot the healing of the leper and the healing of the blind and the healing of the lame. He, he forgot that Jesus had turned water into wine. He forgot that this Jesus had come to him and was standing on water and that he had stood on water. He forgot it all. He got got his eyes off the promise and onto the problem. But you know, Peter did one thing right, one thing that you and I should do whenever we don't have faith to conquer the chaos. He cried out, Lord, save me. I'm going under. I'm overwhelmed. I can't believe enough. Save me. And Jesus will. He will overcome the threat of the COVID virus. He will overcome relational breakdowns, ultimately. He will overcome past hurts in your life. Ultimately, he will. He will overcome that abortion, that violation against your body. He'll overcome sickness and old age and pain and loneliness and death. He is going to overcome all chaos, whether you can believe it in the moment or not. He will overcome. Now, I want to conclude with one other observation, and that is this. Jesus taught them through the chaos. We read in verses 32 to 33, And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now that's the high point of this whole story, what this brought them to. Jesus sends us into chaos in order to teach us who he is and who he is for us. We face chaos. Uh, he brings us through. This, I just want you to imagine this process, sorry. The process goes like this, we face chaos, he brings us through, the storm dies down, we are safe in the boat, and then we realize more deeply than ever, Jesus really is the Son of God. Now, the disciples knew that before, but this time they say, truly, truly you are. And the result is we worship him. We are in awe of him, and we trust him, and we are glad in him. And that's the purpose of your chaos. He's going to bring us through. I'll invite you to pray with me in closing. Father, I am trying to walk on water, but I am sinking. And so I cry out, Lord, save me. I am overwhelmed, I am full of doubt, I can't believe my way out of this. Lord, save me, and when you do, I will worship you. I will recognize that you are the Son of God with me. I know that now, but I know that in the age to come, when all chaos is overcome, I will truly know it. Please save us from the chaos. Thank you for listening to audio by Crossfield Baptist Church. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com.